Let's pray together. Lord, we echo the psalmist who said, your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. Help us to try your promises. Help us to love your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to just pause before I start and just say, I do not know what you could have done that would have uh, made me feel more welcome here. Uh, It has been my privilege to be here these three weeks, and uh, I am just so thankful for this church. Uh, You are an easy church to preach to because you love the Word of God, and uh, there's something special going on. We attribute that to God, but we give praise to Him for what's happening here. So uh, I will be praying for you, and uh, thank you so much for making me feel uh, welcome these three weeks. We had an odd experience about a year ago. Our son is 24 years old, and uh, it, to our surprise, he's become a little bit of a, a news guy. Uh, now frequently, you know, they go from being kids, and uh, what's, you know, like whatever's happening in the world is just out there. All of a sudden, you've got a young adult in your midst. And about a year ago, we noticed a bit of a change in him, and the reason why is because of the conflict in Ukraine. And what he said was, uh, and, he, you know, he just could sense how sober he is. He said, up till now, the news has been about other people. But he said, I don't know what's going to happen in Ukraine. It's very possible that somehow things could escalate and Canada could be dragged into the conflict. And he said, it's become real to me that I could be dragged into the conflict. This isn't just a news story out there. For him, for the first time, uh, world events were swirling in such a way that he felt like he could be dragged into the conflict. And it made him sober to realize that he could be called upon to enter into a battle at the risk of his life. And friends, uh, for the past few weeks, we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 6. We've been looking at the armor of God. We should feel the same way. Because according to the apostle Paul, There is a conflict that is going on in the world, and we are part of it. It should sober us because the stakes are high, and the conflict that we are in is very serious business. Uh, Paul began by uh, just outlining the battle that we're in, that we have an enemy. And he outlined the fact that we are in a spiritual war. And so the first week, we looked at the fact that, you know, when bombs are going off, as Spurgeon says, You know, you woke up this morning on a battlefield when bombs are going off. You shouldn't say, what in the world is going on? You shouldn't be surprised because you woke up on a battlefield. Whether you're at home, whether you're at work, whether you're on campus, whether you're alone or whether you're with others, there's a spiritual battle raging. David Platt talks about the enemy we face in this war. He says this, There are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms who desire, who aim, and listen what his agenda is, our enemy's agenda is, to defame God's glory, to distort God's gospel, to destroy God's people. I love the way that David Platt puts it. He has a threefold aim to defame God's glory, to distort God's gospel, and to destroy God's people. He would love nothing better than for God's glory to not be celebrated today. I've really appreciated 
the, the way that we've been led to worship God today, to delight in God. God would like nothing more than for this church to stop delighting in God. He would love for nothing more than for preachers to get up here and preach anything about the gospel. He would love nothing more than to destroy the unity of the people, to destroy this church. And David Platt goes on and says, there is an adversary who wants to wreck your marriage. There is an adversary who wants to destroy your relationships. There is an enemy who wants to abolish your purity, to attack your integrity at all costs, to keep you from knowing the goodness and the glory of God and spreading the gospel. 1 Peter 5.8 says, the devil is a lion prowling, looking for someone to devour. Now, I, you know, we're not, not worried about lions, right, going out in the street and seeing a lion come down the road. I have been camping and had a bear come through our campsite. That's happened. Uh, I've been lying awake at night, and I think actually a lion would be a little bit scarier than a bear going through your campsite. If, and Peter says, the devil is a lion prowling, looking for someone to devour. He is your enemy. Although he is not God, David Platt continues, no matter how strong or smart you are, you are no match for him on your own. The battle we're in is universal. It's cosmic. You can't escape it. You can't opt out. You, can, you can't say I'm a conscientious objector. I'm going to sit this one out. Uh, this is for other people. You're engaged in this battle. So that was the first week. Last week, we looked at the fact that God has given us everything we need for this battle. It's interesting in Ephesians, Paul is not uh, sounding the alarm and going, ah, oh, we're doomed. Like, everything's hopeless. This is serious. He does say it's serious business. But there's a note of optimism in this passage. Paul writes that we can put on the full armor of God, that we will be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Uh, near where we live in Liberty Village, uh, there's a Fort York Armory. And I don't know what goes on there. I walk by there all the time. But let me just picture what's going on in there. Uh, picture that the Canadian government actually is invested in its military. And in there, I know, hard to believe, right? And in there is well-stocked. And imagine a battle waged. Imagine a lineup going around there. And imagine soldiers coming out there, not with World War II equipment, but with state-of-the-art equipment having everything they need. What the Apostle Paul says is, that's what God has done for us. He has not armed us with ancient equipment or out-of-date equipment or ineffective equipment. He has given us everything we need. He has called us to stand together, uh, brothers and sisters, shoulder to shoulder, and wage war to take our stand. And four times he says in the passage that we will be able to stand in this battle. But today I want to look at this uh, final part of the passage because it's interesting that uh, Paul says, okay, we're in a battle uh, God has armed us. He's given us everything we need. But then he says we need something else. And this is very interesting. It's not enough to know we're in a battle. It's not even enough to put on the armor. He says in this last part of the passage, there's something else that we need. What is it? Prayer. Why is prayer so important? Because as we enter the battle, we should probably feel a little bit like my son, sobered. Do you know what we should do when we feel sobered? We should pray. Uh, a few years ago, I read a book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Uh, by the way, does anybody here struggle in their prayer life? Okay, can I get it? Are there a few here? Okay, thank you. That book somehow helped me so much in my prayer life. One of the things it said is 
uh, that we pray best when we feel helpless. I was with a, a friend of mine, and he was going through a, a serious marital conflict, and uh, he asked for prayer, and I prayed for him. I did, the, I, I did. I really did pray for him. But as he began to pray, I've never heard anybody pray like him. You know why? He was helpless. He knew that he needed divine help. And so he had, you know, the prayers that seem stilted, the prayers that sometimes seem so difficult for us. When we're in desperate straits, the prayers flow from us. And I think part of the argument Paul says here is, when we understand the spiritual battle we're in, guess what we will feel? Helpless, hopeless. Guess what will come natural, naturally to us when we feel like we're sunk if we're on our own? We will pray. We will say, God, we're going to a battle. We need you. And so Clinton Arnold writes, he says this, at the heart of spiritual warfare is prayer. Paul does not present prayer as an additional weapon but as a foundational and continuous activity that is crucial to deploying all the armor and weapons that he has just commended to the church. In other words, this is why we're dealing with prayer separately today. Prayer is not another piece of the armor that we put on. Prayer is actually how we put the armor on. Prayer is every day when we come to God, we, we wake up and we say, God, we're entering into battle today. I need to put on this armor and I'm gonna do it by praying to you by asking God, would you help me as I enter the battle today? Again, as somebody else, Joel Beakey said, prayer is critical because every piece of Christian armor is useless without it. Think about that. Every piece of the armor is useless if you use it in your own strength. Uh, we, we drove our carts right out there here today. It's a uh, 2009 Pontiac Vibe. It's an amazing car. It's been so dependable for us. The only thing is we have to top the oil like it's gas. Like, no kidding, I think we put more oil into that car than we do gas at this point. We took it to the mechanic, like, what can be done? He's like, he shrugs, he's like, keep topping up the oil. Like, that's all you can do. And Joel Beakey says this, imagine if we drove here and we didn't check the oil. Like, no kidding, we check the oil all the time. Joel Beakey says, prayer is like oil. Just like every part of the engine is useless without oil, every part of Christian warfare is vain without prayer. Fighting Satan without prayer is like David fighting Goliath in Saul's armor. The armor doesn't fit, and it's ineffective against the blows of the enemy. Friends, if we're going to win the battle, we need to pray. How should we pray? In this passage, Paul wraps up the whole book and he wraps up this section about the armor of God, about the battle we're in. He's given us information about battle. You know, Ephesians is amazing. He's given us the gospel. He's given us all the amazing truth of the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done for people like us. Uh, he's gotten practical. He's turned to us and talked about how this affects our relationships within the church, how it affects the way we uh, live our lives, our marriage, our family life. Uh, and he turns to us, he says, this is how it affects your, uh, your, how you engage the enemy. And here's where he finishes, he says, and as we wrap up, let me just underline, we need to do all of this with prayer. How do we pray? Four things that Paul tells us in this passage. Uh, if, I want you to notice in this passage, there's four all statements in here. And here's four ways that Paul tells us we need to pray. First, pray always. Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit. 
The word all times could be translated at every opportunity. Now, what does Paul mean here? Paul's not saying that uh, if you're asked, you know, like after, uh, after the church service, would you like to come for lunch? Paul's not saying you should go, I would, but Paul here says that I have to pray at all times. I'm going to be busy praying. I can't have lunch today. That's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying here is, as you go for lunch, do it prayerfully. As you go to work tomorrow, do it prayerfully. Live your life in perpetual conversation with God. We prayer into your life. So it's like breathing that there's never a time when you're not praying. Prayer is the expression of all of us, all parts of us, our struggles, our feelings, our desires before God. And somebody said, the heart of Christianity is actually to be with God, who's always with us. And friends, what I've learned uh, is, this means we've just got to bust down the walls between the spiritual and, like, I used to think there was a spiritual part of my life, and I prayed for that. And then there's, like, cooking and, like, paying bills and uh, parenting. And, like, I used to actually say, like, I got to pray about the spiritual part of my life. But over here, it's almost like, you know, my marriage, my parenting, my bills, my work, all of that is, like, that's on me. And what Paul here says is, God, men, women, pray always. Pray about, just include everything before God. One of the barriers I found in my life, and uh, my wife is here today, she would say this about me. I have a really hard time sharing sometimes the ugly parts of my life. I tried it in my marriage initially. I thought I was actually doing a good job of like, well, this is too messy for me to share with, with Shar, so I'm going to wall it up. She won't even see that these ugly parts of me. And I would be like, I, you, know, you know how somebody, uh, they think they're doing a job like, uh, of doing that? And then Shar's looking at me like going, dude, <laughs> you, are, you are not doing a good job of, of hiding the messy parts of you. And there's something relieving about her saying to me, I see that. Like, rather than trying to hide it, why don't you lower the defenses and let me into that? I see it, let me into that. You know what God is saying to us? We're saying, you know, that part of my life that's messy, that part of my temptation, that part of my struggle that's ugly, I can't share that with God. I've got to wall it off. And God is saying to us, I want all of you, I want you to pray about everything. I want all of your life to be lived in relationship to me. Like Adam and Eve, who felt naked and ashamed and hid from God, and God came after them and said, where are you? God, did God not know where they are? God knew exactly where they are. But God says, I want you to, come, I want you to live all of your life, even the messy parts, in relationship with me. What Paul is telling us here is, if, we're gonna, if all of life is a battle, a spiritual battle, we need to live all of life in prayer. And friends, what that means for us today is, where are you struggling? Are you struggling in your marriage? Pray always. As you go home today in your marriage, pray for, just as you relate, do your kids exhaust you? Do you have a child right now who's giving you concern? You're worried about them. Pray always about this. 
Paul repeats the word all four times in this passage to say that there's nothing that cannot be prayed for. And there's no situation in which prayer is unavailing. Michael Haken one time was uh, near here. Uh, I think he went to uh, the shopping mall. And I remember him saying he was going down the, uh, the, the aisle and he said, Lord, help me find a parking spot. The person that was with him was like, do you not think that God has other things to worry about besides you? And Michael Haken turned to him and said, I'm praying about everything in my life. Like there's nothing I'm walling off from God and saying this is too small for you. And that's what Paul is saying here. Pray at all times. Pray at all times in the spirit. Bring everything to God in prayer. There is no time that you shouldn't be in prayer because all of life is a battle. Your whole life should be one of prayer. The key to realize how much we need to pray is to realize how much we need God in every detail of life. And second, we've already hinted at this, pray at all times. And secondly, Paul says, pray about everything. He says, in verse 18, he says, with all prayer and supplication. A little bit repetitive, right? Paul essentially says this, pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. I think what Paul is doing here is he's saying, look, I want you to pray. Your whole life should be about prayer. Well, what should we pray about? Paul says, everything. Pray with just everything it is. Last week, I talked to somebody, and uh, he said he had a presentation on Thursday. And I said, I'll be praying for you. He said, yeah, really nervous. And I said, I'll pray for you. And he said, that's very strange. He said, you know, I've I, I don't pray for my work. And he said, I kind of feel like it's an unfair advantage. Like, why should, I, why should I use something that my unbelieving friends don't have? And I looked at him. I really didn't know what to say to him at all. <laughs> Paul is saying, every kind of prayer, every kind of request, what he's saying here is uh, really helping us break through the formality and predictability of prayer. There is not a wrong way to pray. So pray, what should you pray about? Everything. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Uh, Pray alone. Pray with your significant other. Pray with your family. Pray in social circumstances. Pray in church. Pray at your regular time. What should you pray about? Pray about everything in your life. How should you pray? I think Paul, when he says, pray with all prayer and supplication, would say, pray prayers of adoration. Pray prayers of confession. Pray prayers of thanksgiving. Ask him for what you need. Paul is giving us permission here, not only to pray always, but to offer all kinds of prayers. Pray about everything. Essentially, he's saying there is hardly a wrong way to pray. There is. The only prayer that is dishonoring to God is the prayer of defiance. But God calls us to honesty in prayer. God calls us to bring everything to him to prayer. Varied prayer, eager prayer, intense prayer. Paul is calling us to warfare prayer that is not just sleepily rambling through a grocery list of requests, but is earnest and urgent. Somebody's written about the difference between maintenance prayer, 
like, Lord, be with so-and-so. Help them with their, uh, you know, ulcer. Help them in warfare prayer. I think what Paul is saying is in warfare prayer, we just, like, there's nothing we don't pray about. Like, we just pray about everything. Again, to quote Joel Beakey, bring all your needs to God, great and small. Tell the Lord everything about you as he knew nothing about you, yet knowing that he knows everything. Entrust yourself and all of your needs into God's all-sufficient hands if you would defeat Satan on things small and large. And so bring everything to God. Live and uh, before him, talk to him about everything. Uh, Paul Miller in his book, A Praying Life, says, you know, prayer, prayer, scripturally speaking, isn't just a morning time. It's actually about slipping into prayer at the odd hours of the day, not because we're disciplined, but because we realize on an ongoing basis, our poverty, that we can't walk through a mall or a neighborhood without the help of the spirit of Jesus. What Paul Little is saying, or what uh, he's saying here, Paul Miller is saying is, we tend to think we can handle a lot of life on our own. If we really realize we can't do anything on our own, we would just be praying about everything. Lord, help me. We just need to uh, bring our whole lives before God, realizing we need him desperately in every area of our life. Bring prayer not into the neat part of your life. Bring prayer into your commute, your struggles, your everything. Ask God for your help in everything. This is more than a prayer time. This is a praying life. So pray, always pray about everything. Number three, Paul says, pray without giving up. He says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. And a couple of ideas here is uh, to stay alert. Uh, that is the idea of like, I've really got like, I'm going to lose focus here. Uh, prayer is hard. I'm going to be tempted to wander. I'm going to be tempted to move on to other things. And so, so Paul says here, keep alert, keep vigilant. You're at war. Remember you're at war. But then he says, uh, he brings up this whole idea of perseverance, that not only do we need to stay alert, but we're going to be tempted to give up. There's times when we're just going to drift and we're going to begin to say, my prayers aren't doing much good. And Jesus told, tells us to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. Paul tells us here uh, to keep alert and to keep praying with all perseverance. Christopher Yohan was, uh, had a couple of parents who loved the Lord. And he wandered so far from uh, God. He wandered so far from God, he just began to, to live the life. In fact, his uh, memoir that he wrote is called uh, From a Far Country, based on the prodigal son. He just said, I, I was like the prodigal son. I went to a far country. And every week, his mother just said, we can't change him but there's one thing we can do, we can pray. And every week, uh, she would just get as many friends as possible. She would actually fast for a day a week. And she would just say, I can't change my son, but there's one thing I can do, I can pray. And years went by, uh, and eventually, in an amazing way, he came back to faith, and he came to faith in Jesus Christ. He repented of his sins. He came home. And when he came home, he, he realized... Uh, the years of persistent prayer that his mother and others had offered for him. And friends, Char and I pray every day. 
sometimes I feel like, uh, by the way, we learned how to pray together. We could never figure out how to pray together until we went through a brutal period of our lives about 10 years ago. And it was in the uh, middle of desperation before God that we actually learned to pray together. For the first time, we've been married over 30 years now. For the, it was only about 10 years ago that we actually learned to pray together. And we're, we're in the middle of that right now. There's stuff we pray for every day. We have not seen God answer those prayers. And I, sometimes when we're praying in the morning, I almost feel like apologizing to God, like, God, here I am again with the same requests as yesterday, just coming to you again saying, God, would you hear my prayers? And what Paul here is, is saying is, you're not exhausting God with your perseverance. God delights in you coming to him week after week, day after day, crying out to him, Father, I have nowhere to turn but you. Would you hear my prayer? Paul says, keep praying, keep alert, don't give up, keep going. Persevere in your prayer. God is hearing. He will answer in his own way, but he will answer. He hears your prayers. As one pastor said uh, in a mining area, he said, uh, basically, if you're going to demolish, uh, if you're going to, if you're going to uh, build a mine shaft, you've got to uh, bore into the mountain, and it's hard work. He says, like most of the work you do, it's like it's hard, it's slow, it takes patience and steadiness and a great deal of skill. But if you just showed up one day, you would see after all these months of effort, they've been boring into the mountain. Somebody comes along and lights a fuse, and it goes off, and then things blow up, and it's all exciting, and everyone's, look at that, what a show. And he says, actually, that's a lot like prayer. There's months of patient drilling. There's months of just like, God, hear my prayer. I need you. I need you to answer prayer. And occasionally we pray, and it's like lighting that fuse where all of a sudden, in a dramatic way, we drop it down and it appears like God just answers prayer. And he says, he concludes that, actually, Tim Keller comments on this and says this, this helpful illustration warns us against only doing fuse lighting prayers, the kind that we drop if we don't get immediate results. If we believe in both the power of prayer and the wisdom of God, we will have a patient prayer life of whole boring. Mature believers know that handling the tedium is part of what makes for effective prayers. We've got to avoid the extremes of either not asking God for things or thinking that we can bend God's will to ours. We must combine tenacious importunity, a striving with God, with a deep acceptance of God's wise will, whatever it is. And so Paul turns to us and says, keep praying. Pray about everything. Pray all kinds of prayers. Pray uh, persevering prayers. For Don't give up. Uh, some of you today... Uh, you've been praying for something for years, maybe an unbelieving spouse, uh, maybe a child who's wandered from God. Keep praying. Keep alert. Do not give up. Keep praying. And finally, he says, don't just pray always. Don't just pray about everything. Don't just pray without giving up. But he says, especially pray for this. Pray especially for the spread of the gospel. He says, finally, making supplication for all the saints by the way, you, do, you guys model this well. I appreciate so much when I've come here, I've heard you pray for different churches in this city. Today we prayed for Hope Markham. Uh, what we're doing when we do this is we acknowledge 
that we're part of a larger body. We need to pray for the body. Uh, pray for other saints in the city. Pray for us, would you? If you drive by Liberty Village, you see like all these condos there on the north side of the Gardner. Uh, remember that crazy pastor who pastors down there and just say, we gotta pray for him. Like we just gotta pray for that church. I'll pray for you. Pray for all the saints. We should be praying for the uh, church overall as we lock hands together with other believers across the world as we battle together in this spiritual battle that's been going on for centuries. But look at what Paul says in particular to pray for. Pray also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that which I, I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, hold on here. Paul's just written Ephesians. This is like Ephesians, which is like one of the most articulate presentations of the gospel everywhere. Like this is peak gospel, right? Paul has just penned this amazing letter. If you read Ephesians, your mind is blown because he keeps... Uh, what I love about Ephesians, by the way, is Paul begins a sentence describing the gospel and he gets so carried away that he loses track of himself. And he's like, where was I? Like, I started talking about the gospel. I got so excited. I got way off track here. I just can't believe the gospel. You read Ephesians, you realize this is a man who knows the gospel, who cherishes the gospel, who loves the gospel. Not only that, he's in prison for the gospel. And yet Paul himself says, pray for me. I've just written, uh, Paul's not saying this. I'm, I'm, putting, I'm just saying, Paul's has written the most articulate expression of the gospel. And he says, pray for me. That when I stand before maybe Caesar in Rome, that I might open my mouth boldly. It's easy to write to you about the gospel. Pray that I open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And what he says here is, we ought to pray for each other. We ought to pray that, you know, it's easy in church here sometimes to say, isn't God amazing? Let's pray for each other that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, that we would be bold, that we would uh, explain the gospel, that we would be bold in presenting the gospel to others. Let's pray, would we, that the Holy Spirit would empower us to speak up when the opportunities present themselves so the gospel is made known. Um, joined a book club in Liberty Village. It, it was weird. It was like a weird <laughs> book club, so weird. I remember reading a book that really touched on spiritual themes and, you know, that's why I joined the book club. And somebody turns to, to me at one point and says, a very interesting presentation of spirituality. Daryl, what do you think? Like, what do you think is true about, like, what, what God has, you know, basically it was like, you could not have teed up a better gospel opportunity than that. Pray that when those moments come, that we would speak boldly as we ought. Have you ever faced a situation like that? And all of a sudden, you just feel like your mouth is full of marbles? You just feel like, uh, you, you know, that, it's there. It's like, it's like T-ball. It's like they place the ball there and they're giving you a bat and you're like, you're like, pray that I just hit that thing. <laughs> just pray, pray, pray. Friends, pray for the preaching the gospel in this church. Pray that not only that we individually would have this privilege of sharing the gospel, would you pray that the gospel would resound from the church clearly? The good news of what Jesus Christ has done for sinners like us. The good news that it's not about us measuring up to God. It's about how God in his mercy has saved sinners like us 
and rescued us through the blood of Jesus has made us right with God. It's a story that, as we sung this morning, that uh, our sins are many, but his mercy is more. That we come today not as people who have it all together. We come stumbling into church. Man, sanctification is progressive. We have a long way to go. The good news of the gospel is that there's mercy. Jesus knew the worst about you before he chose you. There's nothing that you've done that surprised him. There's nothing that he, he's not looking at you saying, if only I'd known, I, I might have reconsidered. He knew everything. He died for you. He chose you. He's made you his own. Not only that, but he, he is praying for you right now. You are never far from his mind. When Paul says we ought to pray at all times about everything, like, do you realize that's what Jesus, Jesus is perfectly fulfilling everything that Paul has said to do today. He is praying about everything at all times. He's persevering in prayer for you. Paul says, pray that I would have the words to articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, that's what we need to pray for each other. How do we go into battle? We go into battle by taking the good news of the gospel, putting on the armor of God prayerfully, realizing that we live in this battle, but then taking our stand. We do so prayerfully every day saying, God, we cannot live another day apart from you, but with you, we have everything that we need. If we're gonna take our stand in the battle, it's going to take prayer. Pray always, pray about everything without giving up, especially for the spread of the gospel. In the Middle Ages, uh, knights went to battle. There was a knight named Roland, and he was part of the rear guard. And he was flanked and defeated. But the sad thing about this great battle is he could have blown the horn. The, he could have sounded the cry for help. And there were troops ahead of him that weren't occupied that could have come and helped him. But he didn't, and as a result, he and his troops were massacred. Friends, we are in a battle. We can cry for help. But if we don't ask for God's help in prayer, we will be defeated. And so James Boyce writes, you and I can be clothed in God's armor, having the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. We can have all of this and yet fail to triumph because we do not call upon God. Friends, he's given us everything, but the, the best thing that he's given us is himself. And we can cry out to him. We have instant, constant access to the king of the universe. We have access to the one who's defeated the powers of Satan and who re is ready to come to our aid. He has defeated the evil one. He has equipped us. And we can draw on his power through prayer as we engage in the spiritual battle. That's why we sing the song sometimes, Stand Up for, Stand Up for Jesus. It says this, put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer, where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. So let's pray. Let's put on the gospel of armor, put on each piece with prayer. Pray always about everything without giving up, especially for the spread of the gospel. And then we will stand. Father, thank you for this church. It's been my privilege to be here these past three weeks to have a, a bit of a, a view into what you're doing here. Lord, I thank you for the people that you brought to this church. I thank you for the evidences of grace that are so clear. 
Lord, it's, you don't have a church like this that um, is hungry for the word of God, that delights in praising you. You don't have any of that without the Holy Spirit. It's clear that your spirit is working here. But Lord, as, as we reflect on what we've looked at these past three weeks, we realize that we are at war. My prayer is for this church and for me is that we would never enter this battle on our own, in our own strength. Instead, Lord, make this a praying church. Help this church to rely on you. And Father, as we close today, I pray that as we enter this battle, that we would enter with everything we need because of what you provided for us in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he has equipped us with everything that we need. My prayer is that we would stay faithful to him to the end. And we pray that we would live and fight for his glory and his glory alone. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.